Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that you fulfilled all the hopes of Israel by sending your only son into this world to partake in our humanity and to redeem us from our sins. Lord, prepare us this Advent to welcome our Savior Jesus Christ as our ever-living King who reigns forever with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. May be seated. So here in the season of Advent, we're going to continue with uh, the psalm. So here, not a dark, deep lament psalm, but a psalm about the kingship of the Lord. So let's uh, speak this together. And I want to speak it uh, when you do the bold-faced lines. So you'll do the alternating bold-faced lines. So let's begin. Give the king your justice, O God. May he judge your people with righteousness. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. May they fear you while the sun endures. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass. In his days, may the righteous flourish. May he have dominion from sea to sea. May desert tribes bow down before him. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May all kings fall down before him. For he delivers the needy when he calls. He has pity on the weak and the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. Long may he live. May prayer be made for him continually. May there be abundance of grain in the land. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May his name endure forever. May people be blessed in him. So we have here a royal psalm. Royal psalms are psalms that deal with kings and kingship. Uh, by one count, there are ten of these. There are ten psalms that explicitly mention the king of Israel or the king of Judah. Uh, if we want to add in ones that talk about Yahweh as king of Israel, then that's another half dozen we can add to the list. Uh, but this is extra special. Not only is it a psalm about king and kingship, it's written by a king. This is one of two psalms written by King Solomon himself. The other one is not a royal psalm, by the way. It's Psalm 127. And so here we have a guy who knows all about kingship writing a song about kingship. Now, we can talk about what occasion this might have been sung for. We don't know exactly, but people suggested maybe this would have been something like Israel's national anthem, you know, like God Save the Queen or something like that. 
Uh, perhaps something that you would sing at special occasions involving the king. Uh, and the first thing that this really brings up I want to talk about is it talks about what is the most important trait for a king. Like if you had to pick one attribute you wanted your leader to have, you know, our next president, what attribute does that president need to have, what would it be? Well, this psalm suggests justice, righteousness, which I'm going to use those as basically synonyms from this point forward. Justice and righteousness, that is when you know the right thing and you live according to the right thing. And when a king does justice, that means that he sets up the conditions where everyone is able to live a right life, where he upholds the law so that people follow it, he upholds right and wrong, and he deals with all threats to that justice, both internal and external. That means getting rid of the oppressors, those who would trample on the poor and the needy. Getting rid of foreign oppressors, those who would trample upon God's people. So you can see this whole psalm is actually a prayer that the king would be that kind of man of justice. You know, first verse, give the king your justice, O God. Or verse 4, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people and crush the oppressor. It talks about how even the lowliest and the weakest and most vulnerable in this society will live uh, lives of justice because the king is there and they are important in his eyes. It talks about how the poor and the needy are precious in his sight. So this is what a king should be, a man who stands for justice. And what is the result when you have a just king? Well, when the king is just, the people thrive. The, the king is producing the conditions in which human well-being is possible. The word in Hebrew here is shalom, which shalom is often translated as peace, and it, it means peace, but shalom's bigger than peace. Shalom is when everything is right, when your life is full and complete and you have nothing more to ask for. That is shalom, and shalom only happens when it has justice as the prerequisite. And so the image here, it says, may he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. Okay, Israel is an arid climate. And actually, the climate's very similar to Southern California. It only rains a few months out of the year, always in the winter. And so those rains are precious. Those rains are precious. You gather them up in cisterns, and you uh, store them for when you need them. And when you have the rains, it means that the land can be fruitful and produce an abundant harvest. The king who does justice is like that. He is like the rain. that He sets the conditions in which human beings can flourish, where they can bring forth fruit. Uh, here, the idea of the fruit of good works. These are only possible when they are in the conditions of justice. And it talks about that the king and his justice will create a superabundance. It like, says that it'll be on the top of the mountains the grain will wave. You don't go grow grain on top of mountains. That's not where grain goes, but in this land, things will be so fruitful, even the mountaintops will have a rich produce. So that's the idea. We're praying for a righteous king so we may live in a land of shalom, of well-being. And if this is good for us, wouldn't it be good for all peoples? And so it describes the king's reign as extending beyond Israel, but extending to the ends of the earth. It says, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The river, by the way, is always the Euphrates. 
the Euphrates River is the river. So from, from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth, every inch of humanity ruled by this righteous king. He talks about how he'll rule over the desert tribes. He'll rule over Tarshish and the coastlands. Rule over Sheba and Seba. Which Tarshish is probably Spain. And Sheba and Seba are either Ethiopia or southern Arabia. So basically the farthest away places they have names for. That is how far his reign will extend. That all nations will serve him. He will be the king over kings. And not only will this be an empire limitless in space, but an empire limitless in time. The refrain you might have noticed is that this will happen while the sun endures. As long as the moon lasts. Even till a time when there is no more moon. I mean, the sun and the moon are pretty permanent, right? Uh, they have been there for a very long time, and they'll be there for who knows how long. The king's reign will extend beyond the reign in which the sun governs the day and the moon governs the night. That this is a limitless reign in time. Which, this seems a little overblown, right? It sounds kind of like royal propaganda. Because... Even Solomon, the great Solomon, did not rule over the entire earth. In fact, uh, here's Solomon's empire. It's the size of New Jersey. Uh, It's nothing big. Uh, That was the largest Israel's power ever got. So it seems a bit of an overstatement to say that we're going to rule over the entire uh, earth. For that matter, saying that his reign lasts forever and ever is also a bit of an exaggeration because... Well, here's Solomon's lifespan, 62 years, which, I mean, 62 years is decent, but, I mean, most of us would probably be disappointed with only 62 years. Uh, And so, what's going on here? Is this just, you know, people buttering up the king and saying really, really nice things about him that they don't really mean? No. What we have going on here is a very important thing we'll see over and over again in the Psalms, that sometimes it says things that are just so over the top so ridiculously exaggerated, hyperbole to such a degree that it can't be meant literally about Solomon or any other king. Instead, these things are prophecy. These things are prophecy that they're pointing to the one that Solomon points to. Because Solomon is a very wise, very just king. But his reign points to a much wiser, much more just king. A king whose reign will actually live up to the billing in this psalm. And that is David's greater son, the Messiah. See, Jesus Christ is the greater son of David. Solomon points to Christ, that Solomon is a pattern of the just, righteous, wise king that points to Jesus Christ, the only king who is truly good, wise, and just. And so he does all the things the psalm says. We told you the king is meant to bring about justice. Well, that's what Jesus is. In Jeremiah, we're told that his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. Isaiah makes this more specific. How is the Lord our righteousness? Because he's the righteous one who will make other people righteous. That's how you get real righteousness. Not just setting up the conditions of of a righteous society, but actually making sinners righteous. And this is what Paul says in Romans. He says that it was to show his righteousness at the present time. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he, he's righteous and he's the righteous maker. And so by truly having righteousness and truly making us righteous by his death and resurrection, 
we have the true conditions for shalom. That Jesus brings out that perfect peace and well-being. And this is predicted in Micah. It says that the king born in Bethlehem will be their peace. Uh, or in Romans it says that we have been justified by faith, and therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A peace that passes all human understanding. That this is the true shalom. Not just simply having earthly plenty, but having everything we could possibly need. Where if we had Christ nothing else, we would have everything. And so the greater son of David has brought about perfect shalom by his perfect righteousness. And so this, this should be more than just for us. This should be for all of humanity. And that is the reign of Jesus Christ. A reign that is not limited to a tiny state in the Middle East. But a reign that extends from the river to the ends of the earth. As Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Or as Paul proclaims that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so he does have the reign that extends limitlessly through space and limitlessly through time. After all, when we talk about Jesus living forever, we mean it. There's the old blessing upon kings, may you live forever. No one actually ever meant that. No one ever actually thought the king was going to live forever. Even the king knew he wasn't going to live forever. It was was a nicety. With Jesus, when we say, may he live forever, we're serious. That he is the one who has died and therefore can never die again. As the angel said to the women, he is not here for he has risen just as he said. As Paul says, we know that Christ has been raised from the dead and will never die again. Death no longer has any dominion over him. That our God lives forever and ever. Lives forever and ever as our righteous king who brings about perfect well-being. And so, in a sense, he's already here. In a sense, he already has begun his reign, that we already have that peace that passes human understanding. We already are part of that kingdom that will never end. But we're also waiting to see it with our own eyes, and not just the eyes of faith. We're waiting for our king to come, and that's what Advent is all about. Waiting for the king to come. As we wait for the king to come, we can proclaim what the psalm proclaims. Long may he reign. Long live the king. Now, along these lines, we have uh, a song to share with you. Uh, This is Kip Fox, uh, an alum for this institution. And Kip and I have been uh, working on setting the theology of this psalm to music. And so, uh, uh, Kip, I'll turn it over to you. Thanks, Dr. Elliott. If you don't mind, I'm going to try to teach you a, a bit of the chorus of this song. So if you would help sing along with me and humor me. I will sing one line at a time and have you respond to me. So when I sing Long Live the King, you sing along, you follow that with Long Live the King. It goes like this. Long live the king, long live the king, forever he shall reign, forever he shall reign, let the heavens ring. Long live the king. Now I know what some of you men are thinking already that this is really high. And some of you already took the opportunity to go low. And I want to extend that opportunity to the rest of the men and very low altos out there. Uh, can, you, can men and low altos, if you'd like, join me in this chorus? Uh, repeat after me. Long live the king. Forever he shall reign. 
Let the heavens ring. Long live the king. Sounds like we got it. Here we go. There is a king who rides on the heavens. His coming lifts the eyes of the poor. For all the powers of their oppressor can hurt them no more. He is a king like no one before him. His justice falls like rain on the hills. And all who live their lives with that hunger will have their fill. Here's the chorus. Long live the king. Long live the king. Forever he shall reign. Let the heavens ring with his praise. Long live the king. The sun and moon will fade. His kingdom never passing away. Long live the king. There is a righteous fire in his footsteps, an everlasting peace in his way. He is the king from ocean to ocean, and age to age, age to age. Long live the king, forever he shall our King. Sing that again. Humble, low, in a manger, lifted high on a tree, rose victorious Savior, Jesus Christ our King. Long live the King, forever He shall reign. Let the heavens ring with His praise. Long live the pray with me. Lord God, we pray that you would reign forever and ever as our king. We thank you that you have risen from the dead and now are our resurrected one who will never die again. And we thank you that we will share in that life that will never end. And as we live in this veil of tears, we pray that you would 
help us ever turn our eyes forward to the day when you come to establish your reign forever. In your holy name we pray, amen. Before I dismiss you with a blessing, uh, there's one announcement, and that is, this is the last Monday chapel, but there will be a special service next week on Tuesday night at 6.30 of Concordia Candlelight, and we encourage everyone to please uh, uh, participate in this beautiful service. Uh, So now, go in the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.